Good morning. Thanks, Michael. Good morning. Somebody's listening. James is listening. It's so good to see you this morning. Um, I know I probably wear you out saying this, but I look forward to Sundays. Really love Sundays. Really love being able to be with you, to worship the Lord with you, to see your smiling faces, shake your hand, hug your neck. Um, some of you just give me the stink eye, and that's okay, too. I, I just, And I'm really talking about the kiddos. I have a hard time sometimes. Like me and Kara Sue, we're not quite there yet, but we're working on it. I kind of get the stink eye from Kara Sue, but that's okay. Um, but it is so good uh, to be together in the house of the Lord today. Um, I was reminded this week, went and picked up Isaac and Sydney from Colorado uh, this past week, that God knows what he's doing. Um, the Man, the, his creation is just phenomenal. Um, anyway, uh, before I tarry too long, just want to get through these announcements real quick. First of all, I want to say if you're visiting with us, so glad that you're with us. If you hadn't had an opportunity yet, you would, wouldn't mind. Uh, there's a little square at the bottom left of the uh, bulletin. You can take your phone app, the camera, take a picture of it. should open up uh, a website, and, and it'll have a digital bulletin. Scroll down to the bottom. You can let us know by filling out some information uh, that you're with us today. If you're online, it's on the screen. But just so thankful that you are visiting with us today. Um, Jared, are we on normal schedule tonight for a youth meeting? 6 o'clock youth meeting, um, and then at 6.30 we have our business meeting tonight, and it's your privilege, your right, and your responsibility to participate in these meetings, so please make every effort to attend. I do want to tell you that tonight, after the business meeting is over, Sydney and Isaac will be in here, um, and they will share, uh, and I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them some questions about their experience with Summit Ministries, and they're just going to answer. That keeps them from having to prepare a speech or anything, um, but um, and no short answers. No short answers. Um, so, because we're now, at any rate, we want, because the church sent them to Summit Ministries, if you're not aware of what it was that they went to do, please come back tonight. You'll get more information about what it was, that, where they were the last two weeks and what they learned. Uh, so it'll be great. I hope you're able to come. Please, please come. Um, also, uh, this week, aren't you ready for Vacation Bible School? <laughs> Well, I'm ready for vacation Bible school, and I know that our leaders and our kids are ready, so it looks like we're going to have a great time uh, with Zoomerang, which is Sanctity of Life VBS. I am as excited about this curriculum as I've ever been for a VBS curriculum. I'm just really pumped. And so, uh, kids, come, invite your friends, if you, invite your friends' friends and your friends' friends' friends. Now, let's, let's pack this place out, because this is going to be a really great time. Um, also, um, you'll find information in the foyer about Cold Creek Creation Camp. It's the 22nd to the 24th, 8.45 to 3, sponsored by Grace Gathering Bible Church in Lano. It's a free day camp for kids entering grades 1 through 6. If you have questions, see Carrie Owen. And uh, this is being led by Sidani Thornton. So, um, Also... Uh, June 24th, we'll provide a meal for the volunteers at Mission San Saba. If you're interested in helping, make sure you let Barbara know. One final thing, family of Tom Bowden. Last week, our church hosted uh, the memorial service for Tom Bowden. Uh, the, the family of Tom Bowden acknowledges with grateful appreciation your kind expression of sympathy. Thank you for all you do. In times such as this, it means a lot to feel the support and comfort from the church. 
Your, your members are outstanding and the facilities are great. Again, a warm, heartfelt thank you. Serving God with you, the family of Tom Bowden. They're very appreciative uh, of being able to use the church last week. Any other announcements before we have our call to worship? All right, well, let's stand and we'll say our call to worship together. I'll read the first screen. You come in, or the first slide, you come in with the second slide. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Let's worship together.
out to you. The blessed is your name, God. And you are so good to us, even though we don't deserve it. And so as we worship you this morning, Father, we pray that you would just overwhelm us with the truth of your mercy. That your kindness would lead us to repentance. morning uh, we're gonna how many videos are we gonna see all total three uh, okay maybe three okay um, we always um, emphasize our mission efforts here at church um, what we give toward as much as we can as much as we're able to um, we emphasize uh, North American missions Annie Armstrong we emphasize Lottie Moon Christmas we emphasize Mary Hill Davis September um, Texas missions and we do so by showing videos. Well, our church, you may or may not realize this, if you're a church member been coming for a while, you know we support the Hope Factory. It's a ministry uh, that John and Mary Catherine, Eddie, other folks uh, helped to run in Kenya. And uh, Mary Catherine made a trip to Kenya, when was it, December? Yeah. December left, you left Christmas Eve, didn't you? Or Christmas Day? Okay, but you let... Okay, she left Christmas Day last time, and uh, she hasn't she hasn't spoken to the church about what it was that was accomplished and so on and so forth. And so, one thing that that she said, why don't we just do videos on Sunday morning? That way, more of the church has more of an idea about what God is doing in and through the Hope Factory. So you're going to see a video this week, at least next week, and maybe one more week. Um, and so, be encouraged because God's doing great things in Kenya.
history of the Hope Factory, I'm reminded, even in the process of making it, that it is yet not I, but through Christ in me, through Christ in this church, through Christ in you, that I even have these pictures to show you. Through Christ in all of us, we've come so far in the past 10 years. Over the next few weeks, I hope to share with you a bit more about um, our progress, our challenges, our needs, and our hope for the future. Just before Christ ascended into heaven, he gave this commandment to his followers. 
words that you are all by now familiar with. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. When I was a young girl, Jesus said, follow me. It wasn't until many years later that he said, go now go to Kenya. And so I went with my strengths and my weaknesses, with my experience and my lack of experience. I went. All I can do now is rely on him to work through me. And he has been faithful. Thank you for your faithfulness and your part in sending me. Mungu Akubariki Sana. God bless you big. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good.
You may be seated. You may be wondering why I'm standing down here. Um, When I was in Copper's Cove trying to discern whether or not the Lord was calling me to the ministry, and I'm not making a comparison between myself and him. I'm just following his example because I thought it was a good one. Brother Mark Kemp at First Baptist Church of Copper's Cove, uh, he he invested in me, and and he would give me opportunities um, to minister and trying to discern whether or not I was called to the ministry, and uh, in August it will be 15 years that I've been in ministry. Praise the Lord. But I'm so grateful for the, the impact that Mark had on me and for the opportunity. Uh, this morning's text is, is uh, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 8, and verse 1 talks about 
If any man aspires to be an overseer or elder, say it a different way, pastor, um, he desires a noble task. Uh, James is, and, and I ask you to pray for him. Um, he is praying to the Lord, trying to discern whether or not he may be called um, to be an elder, to be to pastor. And so um, he has um, had opportunities to preach before at other churches. And uh, what better place for him to preach um, but to us, to our congregation. So James is going to bring the word this morning. And I want you to join me in prayer for him um, as he preaches. Um, he doesn't get a... A patsy topic either. (laughs) At any rate, I want to pray for James, and then let's uh, enjoy feasting on the Word together. Father, we are indeed grateful for how uh, you put on the hearts of people, uh, calling them to various kinds of ministry. I pray, God, that you would um, fill James um, manifestly with your Holy Spirit, that it may be clear to us that he has done due diligence um, in studying the word and longs to see it proclaimed powerfully and clearly. So, Lord, I pray that that, um, that would, would happen in our midst today and that through the preaching of your word, uh, that uh, your word would be shown to be a word of power. Lord, help us to submit to what we hear. Um, and, Lord, we'll give you all the praise and the glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. It is a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer. It is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping, the, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, How will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he may not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Let's pray together. God, we just come to you today. Uh, confessing to you, Father, that we don't need to hear my words. Uh, We don't need to hear um, some commentator's words. We don't need to hear uh, anything but what you would say to us this morning. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would illumine our hearts and that you would make the word alive this morning in such a way that we would walk away from here changed. God, I don't come to this place with some kind of masterful understanding of uh, what an elder is, even having uh, mastered any of what an elder is to be. So God, we pray that you would speak this morning and that we would be just overwhelmingly touched in our hearts by the truth of your word. 
In the name of Jesus Christ alone we pray. And God's people said, you may be seated. We got a little bit of a ring going on. So um, I'm a little bit nervous this morning um, because my wife is here and she's going to tell you that, um, well, she's going to tell you the truth is the problem. Um, Y'all are my family. And as I stand before you, y'all know me better than any other church that I could walk into and stand into a pulpit um, and begin proclaiming God's word. Um, you know that there's not imperfection. There's not perfection in me. There's much imperfection. Um, and whenever uh, Shannon talked to us about doing this, um, Jared was real quick to say, "Not it," because <laughs> um, this this is a difficult passage to preach, not a difficult passage to understand, not a difficult passage to be encouraged by, but just a difficult passage to preach. Only because I come to you with this understanding that I have not mastered all of these things. Brother Shannon would tell you he has not mastered all of these things. And we could come at this with a very legalistic mindset that says you have to be this way and this way and this way and this way or you're not qualified to be a pastor or an elder. And the problem is if we do that, no one's qualified to be an elder or a pastor. When we look at 1 Timothy, a lot of what we see in 1 Timothy is um, we see God through Paul saying to Timothy, listen, you men of the church, it's time to grow up. And he's saying uh, in the beginning of 1 Timothy, he starts out by saying, listen, um, there there are elders among you and they're teaching false doctrine. And you need to address that. And I love how Shannon handled last Sunday. Um, because in our culture, you're taught, well, if you say that, then you're, you're a sexist or something's wrong with you. Women can't be as equal. When the reality is, what God is saying is that he has called them out for a purpose. And men, we have a role in the church, and it's our responsibility to take up that role. And before I get into the passage today, I want to give you a few truths, and you might want to write these down because men, especially if you have your Bibles open and a pen anywhere near you, you might want to write these down because um, these are going to affect you at home as much as they are at church. Number one, God is not a wrathful, hateful God that comes at us just being mean about everything in our lives. I grew up kind of with this picture of God where God was sitting up in heaven and he had a pencil and a pad. And I could see from here down on him because no one knows what God really looks like in the face, right? Um, And he was writing down everything that I was doing wrong. And he was waiting for the opportunity to say, okay, that's it, James. And turn the pencil around and rub me out. Erase me from the face of the earth. And I lived in fear of God for that. And that's not a healthy view of God. Now, let me tell you the other side of this. This is another unhealthy view of God is that God's a big grandfather up there going, oh, you're messing up. That's okay. Come sit in my lap. It's all great. Your sin is okay. That's not true about God either. God is a holy God who desires righteousness in us. And to make sure that he could produce the righteousness in us that we cannot produce for ourselves, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, pay the price of God's wrath upon him 
so that you and I could trust in him and walk in holiness. Second truth I want you to understand. I know that was a long one, right? You're like, what'd you say? Um, on the second truth I want you to get, I want you to get is this. As the elders go, so the church goes. Let me say that again. As the elders go, so the church goes. And before you start saying, well, then this is all on Shannon. This is on the men of the church. As the men of the church do, so the church will do. And we'll get into that in a minute. But that's the truth. As the elder goes, so the church goes. The last truth I want to give you before I get into our passage today is this. The way elders love people is by sharing God's word. I was at a church one time and they said, James, the way you spell love is T-I-M-E. And I thought to myself, I have dyslexia, but I'm pretty sure that's not how you spell love. It's spelled G-O-D. The way an elder loves their people is by sharing God's word. You will know when Shannon has stopped loving you. You will know when your husband or father, and this is going to be a hard statement, has stopped loving you. Because they will no longer share with you God's word. If God is love, then the only, the only way we can give love to people is by giving them God. Now, I know we're not used to saying amen in this church, but that's either an amen or an oh man, right? And I told Shannon this morning, I, the hardest part of this for me was the conviction. Man, I was searching through the Greek, and I was doing all that kind of stuff for the last few weeks. And last night... Um, I sat down on the couch and I just decided I'm just going to take all this big mess of thoughts and put it all on a couple of pages. And as I'm doing that, God is just convicting my heart so heavily about some things. And we're going to talk about that today. So I want you to remember those truths. As we get into this passage, Paul is talking to Timothy and he starts out, he says, it is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. The first thing I want us to understand is the saying, the trustworthy statement here is a weighty statement. It's not one that anyone should take lightly. It's not one that anyone should go into thinking, well, I can be a pastor. Whenever I was young... Um, my wife and I had just gotten married, and we got a call from First Baptist Church Lexington to come be their uh, youth pastor. And so we went there to be the youth pastor. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be just completely transparent with you, that I didn't take that very seriously. We had a lot of fun activities, and we did a lot of fun stuff. And, guys, I'm telling you, we have, there was a point we had about 100 kids. And I was like, yeah, and Lexington may be a little bit bigger than Cherokee, but not much. We had 100 kids every Wednesday night. The people were patting us on the back. Oh, you're doing such a great job. But I did not take seriously the weightiness of what God had called me to do. The next thing I want you to understand 
is that this is a masculine pronoun. It says, if any man aspires. This tells me that elders are to be men. And we're going to talk about that when we get down to the qualifications. But elders are to be men, godly men. He's an overseer. This comes from the Greek, and I'm going to slaughter this, but episkopa, is that how you say it? Close enough, right? Where we get our word episcopal. This is a person who oversees. Now, I'm, I'm afraid in, in American culture, we kind of misconstrue this term overseer because we get into it and we look and we say, oh, well, um, the reality is I'm to oversee what's going on. And we don't understand what that means is that we're to watch after the church like a shepherd watch at, watches after their flock. Not stand back and watch everybody else do the work. Not stand back and correct people who we think are doing things in the wrong way. But we are to say, as shepherds would to their flocks, lovingly, let me walk with you. Let me guide you. Let me sit at the sheep gate. And when the thief comes and the wolf comes, I will not run away. In the Greek, the word there, um, a fine work he desires to do, is literally translated a beautiful toil. A beautiful toil. I work at a school where we service um, students in a residential treatment facility. And my wife has started teaching social studies during June in summer school. Um, And uh, she's began to see kind of what we deal with. And you say it over and over again, well, um, you either love what you're doing or you hate what you're doing. And the reality is, if you're called to be an elder, you see the beauty of the work that God has set before you. And even when the ugliness shows up and even when it gets difficult and hard, you still find the beauty in it because of Christ. And so you persist in it. So that's the first thing I want to say is simply this. If you can't find the beauty of walking with God's people and loving God's people, then an elder is not where you need to be. And that's okay. That's okay. Verse 2, an overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, Able to teach. We're going to tear this down, and I'm going to go through this like really fast, so y'all are going to be like, okay, what, 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 and what? Um, I want to give you some definitions, and then we're going to wrap it all up together at the end, okay? Because this is a lot of words, a lot of qualifications, a lot of things that you're given. So let's start with this one. He's to be above reproach. Number one, that does not mean perfect. What this means is that when, when someone accuses them of something, Everybody around them says, no, I know the character of that man, and I know the godliness of that man, so I know this. I know that he couldn't have done what you're saying he did. If you say about somebody, well, they did this, and everyone goes, yep, sounds like Brother Shannon. Then, sorry, I'm just using you as an example. Um, Sounds like Brother Shannon. Then that's not above reproach. This is not about religion. This is about godliness. This is about looking like Christ. 
And we're going to get back to that in just a minute. I know there's a lot we're getting back to, but we're getting back to that in just a minute because this all wraps together. Secondly, husband of one wife. Now, we can say legalistically, well, this means the person can't be divorced or the person can't be a widow or the person can't be. That's not what it says here. What it says here is that he's a one-woman man. A one-woman man. Life happens. But his heart is to serve his wife and his wife alone. Thank you. (laughs) And that's the truth. If you have a man in the pulpit, if you have a man in an elder position and his eye is always wandering or he is saying inappropriate things, he is disqualified as an elder because he should be a one-woman man. Next, temperate. This means sober. And we're going to talk about the difference between this one and um, being drunk with wine. But this is sober. In other words, it's not saying that you can't. It's saying that you don't drink to excess. Paul tells Timothy, a little wine is good for the belly. Now, in our culture, I know that there are men and women who have struggled with alcoholism. And because I love them and because that's a struggle for them, I will never do it. Especially in front of them. The next one, prudent. This is exercising self-control. Always looking to the future. If my family is hungry and I go down to an ATM and I hit a man over the head and take $300 from him and go feed my family, did I do the right thing? I know some of y'all are thinking, well, you fed your family, right? That's right. But did I do it the right way? In a few months when I'm standing in court and that man steps up into the podium and says, yeah, that's the dude right there. I didn't didn't exercise self-control. I didn't look to the future. I lived in the moment. And a good elder doesn't do that. An elder does not do that. They think about, before I respond, before I react, before I do, I need to think to myself, God, what are you doing and how will this affect the future of that? The next one is respectable. That's the ability to earn respect from others. Not a superficial respect. Like you have something that they want and so they're going to show you respect. But a respect that says, because I see the godliness in you, I will honor you. The next one is hospitable. And this one I think we get a little bit confused about with ministers and their wives. Because I think sometimes we think, well, the wife ought to be hospitable. So she's um, putting on every fellowship and all the rest of those things that we need to have done when that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the elder because remember I said earlier, as the elder goes, so the church goes. This is the ability to be friendly and welcoming. Have you ever met a mean pastor? Okay, let's move on. Um, (laughs) The next one is able to teach. Y'all want to write this down? Let me say it real slow. He must be able to to teach. I know that was really simple, right? Let's be able to teach. If he cannot stand in front of people 
whether it be at his home or in a pulpit and teach the word of God, he's not qualified to be an elder. Not addicted to wine. Now, this is that one that I said we're going to clarify. The difference between sober and not addicted to wine. In the Greek, it kind of gives the picture of this person who habitually has to have alcohol. Um, being in education, I see a lot of teachers posting stuff on Facebook about can't wait to get home and get a drink. Um, if a man goes and serves God in his church and feels like he has to go home to get a, and get a drink in order to deal with the pressure of that, he has no business being an elder. Pugnacious. How many of you know this word, pugnacious? No. Yeah, just a couple. Uh, pugnacious means you're looking for a fight. That's what it means. You're looking for a fight. You're always trying your hardest to find something you can stir up and get into. And I have met pastors like this. And they're always like, well, they don't know me. I'm that kind of guy, you know. And I'm like, oh, hallelujah. Um, so uncontentious, that means not looking to stir up trouble. This is that person who um, calls and says, can you believe what Brandon did? Oh, my goodness. And starts a conversation about him behind his back, stirring up issues. And a lot of times we do that because we're afraid. And so it's better to take and put our focus on Brandon than it is to put it on the fact that I don't really know what I'm doing. Free of the love of money. Now, this, this doesn't mean that the pastor shouldn't get paid. So before you put that in, in your theological doctrine, that's not what this is saying. What this is saying is this is saying that he needs to be someone who's content. Content with what God has given him. Not constantly trying to go out and hustle a couple more bucks. Not trying to find a way to make the ministry pay off. But being content with what God has given him. And saying, you know what, God, you've given me this money. I'm going to stand and, and be faithful with it, and I'm going to trust you with it. And I'm going to be content with what you've given me. That was one that really just kind of kicked me in the gut. So, manages his household well. Uh, the verb here means, said, means to stand before. So, in other words, what he's saying is, you must be able to stand before your household and say... This is what we're going to do. And they say, we trust God because you trust God. Keeping his children under control with all dignity. Now, some of you have a, a version that says keeping your children, what's that word? Submissive. Now, teenagers, I just want to ask you all a question and by a show of hands. How many of you want to be made to be submissive? Just Isaac. Okay, great. So <laughs> I saw the thumbs up. You're, you're committed. Uh, no, I'm just messing with you. Um, but that's what, what people think in the uh, religious standpoint is I must keep my children submissive. And Terry and I actually worked under a pastor um, who would tell his children when to go on a diet because he thought, well, y'all are looking a bit plump. And I don't want people to see my children like that and who they could talk to and what they could eat and where they could go and what they could wear. When the reality is says they must keep his children under control with dignity. With dignity. 
Now, the Bible's real clear about this, and men, this is where it's going to hurt just a little bit because it hurt me, and I don't like feeling alone, so I'm going to share with you what God shared with me. Um, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it says, Honor your father and your mother. In Ephesians 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents. So here's the truth. Children, it is your responsibility to honor and obey your parents. That is your responsibility. Your culture will tell you something totally different. You can get on tick face or whatever it's called stuff. Yeah, that stuff. You can get on there and find thousands of teenagers who will stand as authorities in your life and tell you that if your parents don't act a certain way, you don't have to honor them and you don't have to respect them. But the reality is that God created you in his own image, and because of that, he knows what's best for you, and he put you in the household that he put you in and said, honor your father and your mother. And he even gives a promise with it, that your days may be long on the earth. And my grandfather used to say, well, what that means, if you don't obey me, I'm going to take you out. (laughs) That's what he used to say to me. I'm still here, so I guess I'm okay. But the reality is, teenagers, children, it is your responsibility to obey your parents. Now, so that you don't feel like I'm picking on you, fathers, it is your responsibility to teach your children to obey. Let me say that again. Fathers, it is your responsibility to teach your children to obey. So what that means is simply this, that when your children decide, I'm going to rebel against God, I'm going to rebel against my parents, I'm going to do what I want to do, then that is between them and God as far as consequences go. God will deal with that disobedience. But fathers, it is your responsibility to teach your children what that that obedience looks like. I'm not saying that if you live in a home where you teach God's word every single day that your children are going to go, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm going to college and make a difference in the world. It may not happen. You may end up with children who make terrible decisions and have to go a very long road to find their way home to God. I hear people all the time say, well, train up a child in the way they should go. When when they're old, they won't depart from it. That's not a promise. That's a principle. He's not saying that just because you teach them God's word that they're going to be saved and it has to be done. What he's saying is simply this. When you teach them God's word, when you implant it in their heart, when you show them day by day by day fathers who are godly, when they are old and when they have come to the end of their rope and they don't know what else to do, God will recall those things to their brain and to their hearts. I've had people as a minister in churches that say to me, well, I ain't no theologian. God never asked you to be a theologian. He asked you to follow him. And we as fathers, it is our responsibility not to make sure that our kids are good kids, but that they're godly kids. 
And that's what he's saying. If you don't live in your home, if you are um, drunk all the time, looking at other women, doing the things that you want to do, looking for a fight, not ready to stand up for what's right, then you're not qualified as an elder. Just not. But there's good news. That can all change in a heartbeat. And men, we have a responsibility to our homes to teach God's word, to teach them how to worship. And this, man, this is convicting. I'm telling you, I'm not standing up here going, oh, you ought to see us behind closed doors. We are godly. I'm not saying that at all. That's why I said my wife's here. She might tell you the truth. This is a struggle and a battle. But men, when we come to the place where we begin to say, God is bigger than me. And he can do what I can't do. And I'm going to trust him and show my children that they can trust him too. I'm going to show my wife that she can trust him too. And that creates a godly home. Have you ever looked in your children and thought to yourself, man, that drives me crazy about them. Most of the time, it's because it reminds you of you. I see a couple of smirks. Amen or ouch. When we as fathers, when we as men begin to grasp the holiness of God, we will start being something different. In America, we've replaced the cross of Jesus Christ with a necklace that goes around your neck cross of Jesus Christ was not a beautiful thing. It was a rough thing that absorbed the wrath that God poured out on us. And Jesus stood in the way and took it. And the beauty of it is that it saved us. In verse 5, he clarifies that if a man does not know how to manage his own house, then how will he take care of the church of God? And that's the reality. If we are not at home godly and leading in godliness, then we can't lead God's church. And I've been in places where they've taken the reasoning they use at home and brought it into the church. And I'm going to tell you, it just creates a mess. Verse 6. And not a new convert. Lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. Now, I had to look into this because I I really wanted to understand what he meant by the condemnation incurred by the devil. And I read a lot of people who said, oh, oh, well, that means that he's going to be a tool of the devil. And and this is what he's saying. He's saying back in the day when Satan looked at God and said, you know what? I don't have you. I don't need you to do this. I can do this on my own. Look at me, I'm beautiful, I'm I'm amazing, and people will follow me. Because of his own pride, he was separated from God forever, and he had millions upon millions still counting to this day of people who will not turn to God but die and spend eternity in hell. All because he wanted to think he was better than God and could do it without him. Why should a young, immature Christian not be an elder? Because they, sh- they would get cocky and start thinking, look at me. We're running 100 kids in the youth group. Aren't I awesome? 
There's no glory for God in that. And the same condemnation that was given to Satan would be given to that person. And unfortunately, as the elder goes, so the church goes. So if he falls, a multitude falls. Verse 7, and he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he may not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Here's what he's saying. It's not saying he's a good businessman. It's not saying he's a good teacher, good principal, uh, he's a good farmer. It's not saying any of those things. Here's what it's saying. It's saying that he should have the kind of reputation outside the church that he does with the people inside the church. That when they see him at the feed store, they see the same godliness that they see when they come sit and listen to him preach. And again, if they don't, then what happens is they find themselves falling into sin and trapped. Have you ever been in that place where you have that secret sin? We used to call it a pet sin because we feed it too much. You have that pet sin and you're afraid to tell anybody around you that you're struggling with it because if you do... The gig may be up. Paul is saying to Timothy, look, you need to find godly men who exercise godly practices, who don't look like the rest of the people at Ephesus, who don't follow their example, but stand out and go against the flow. These are elders. Shannon asked me if I would uh, preach out of the New American Standard Bible, which I don't have. Most of my Bibles are ESVs, and that's not some kind of doctrinal choice. It just makes more sense to me sometimes. But it's interesting because the only New American Standard Bible that I own um, was donated. Let me see. I want to make sure I get this right. Donated to Robert Sturgeon by the Lockman Foundation. Now, I know that doesn't mean anything to y'all, but this is the Bible that my father would put into the pulpit every Sunday when he would preach. And whenever I was about 10 years old, my father began to say, you know what, sin is more fun to me than the holiness of God. And when I was 12 years old, he walked out on my family. And it's easy for us to say, you know what? That's terrible, and he doesn't deserve to be a pastor, and I don't know what his problem is. And, but here's the reality. There are times in my life that I've walked out on my family and still been there because I didn't teach them about the holiness of God in moments that I had the chance to teach them about the holiness of God. I did not set an example for them in my behavior. But here's the other half of it. Thank goodness there's a but there, right? Here's the other half of it. That it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Which means this. Fathers, if you're still a father in your home and you're not leading godliness in your home, he showed kindness to you because you're still there. And this morning he's calling us men repent we have men that are youth right now that one of these days will have their own families 
And now is the time to say, I want to lead my family in holiness. I don't want to be a drunkard. I don't want to be um, looking at other women. I don't want all these things. These practices have to start now. And they can only be done by the grace of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, we come to you um, just confessing that as men, we are not perfect. That there are times that I, as a man, would condemn others for their behavior, and yet, God, I confess to you that if your standard is holiness, I've not met it. But we thank you for Jesus Christ. That he died on a cross to absorb the wrath that you poured out intended for us. And so, what we know as our shortcomings is not the end of the story. And so, God, I pray that you would reveal your mercy to us this morning. That fathers would come to repentance and say, I will lead my family. And that husbands would say, I will lead my wife. And that sons and daughters would say, I am going to trust in Jesus Christ and be holy. And have that example in their home and in the pews and in the deacons meetings and and, in staff meetings and in Sunday school of men who say, this is how you do that. Not because we've mastered anything, but because you are the master of everything. If you're here this morning and, and, and you're saying, James, I feel so far from perfection. Shannon's going to be up here. Coming to him doesn't fix a problem, but it partners you with someone who can love you and pray for you while you're walking through this. If you're not training your home to be godly, now is the time to say, I repent. I would love, love, love to have a group of men who are walking together in this church and leading their family in godliness. We could call each other and say, I failed again. We could love each other. Older men supporting younger men. Younger men supporting youth. Supporting children, supporting women. But if you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I've not been that in my home. I heard you come to Jesus and say, not been that in my home. He already knows you're not going to catch him off guard. If you're here this morning, you're like, I don't even know how to follow Jesus. Come talk to us. We want to tell you the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together and sing this song together.
If you would be seated for just a moment. Thank you, Brother James. Thank you for opening the Word of God for us. We praise God for His Word, clearly preached, clearly understood. A few announcements, I'm sorry, a few updates on prayer list uh, to make for you. Uh, Ben's supposed to have a a, a stent removed. Um, I think it's this week. Billy is recovering from shoulder surgery, uh, so pray for him. Bruce Serapaka is recovering from um, heart surgery. Continue to pray for him. Uh, as far as I know, he is he is doing well. Um, pray for Clinton. Um, he's uh, had some health issues, thought he had one of them licked, and now it's kind of rearing its ugly head. So, so pray for him. Um, trying to remember who else. Oh, we need to pray for Charlie. Our dear, beloved Charlie, uh, is um, he was taken to the ER yesterday. Um, he was overheated, and uh, he was dehydrated, I'm sure. He's also got some issues with his heart, um, but he is, he is in the VA hospital at Temple. They're going to keep him there a little bit longer um, to try to make sure that they, they feel like something deeper is going on than just he got overheated and got um, dehydrated. So, so pray for Charlie. Um, I think that's all the ones that I know of from our church or they're on our prayer list right now. Continue to pray uh, for VBS as it goes on this week. Also this week, uh, the Southern Baptist uh, Convention annual meeting will be taking place. And uh, th- I, th- I just really have a feeling this is going to be a very, very important, possibly highly contentious meeting. And so please pray uh, for that. Um, any other Prayer request updates you'd like to make? Yes. Um, as many of you know, both of my parents have been battling cancer. Um, both had colon cancer. My mother had surgery. Everything went well. She's going through treatments. Um, my stepfather, Les, um, had colon cancer, went through the surgery. Um, went through all the treatment everything looked pretty good but there was a little spot on his liver I think I shared with y'all a while back he had a procedure the other day where they um, it's my understanding they put a port where they can drop basically a radioactive tablet of some sort on right on that spot Um, so just pray for him he's going through that treatment Um, he's actually going to go through more chemotherapy and they said uh, this time it's the type that um, you're going to get sick, you're going to lose your hair. It, it, it's, uh, you know, the, he went through a year full of treatment and you couldn't even tell he was going through it. Um, also, the doctor said his, uh, and I don't understand all of this, but they ran some blood tests and said his cancer markers were up. So they're afraid it might be somewhere else. They're going to be um, doing some scans and just pray for them. Um, the, Pray that there's no more cancer, um, that it, it, you know, God will take care of that and just pray for their, their spiritual health and, and uh, for all those who are concerned about them. Anything else? Yes, ma'am. Uh, don't be for okay. That's Lacey? Okay. Um, Lexi, Lexi. Um, went into labor today, Joel's niece. Okay, so I want to pray for her. There have been a few issues come up in the pregnancy so we definitely want to pray for them anyone else yes sue 
Okay. Okay. Connie Webster said thank you to the church for all the prayers for Addie, her granddaughter, um, and uh, to continue to pray. Addie's dealing with uh, cancer, four years old. Anyone else? Well, I do want to remind you, um, if you're not aware of what all is going on with Hope Factory, reach out to Mary Catherine. Uh, thank you so much for the video today. Um, use this time that we watch these videos and this time where we uh, hear about what God's doing there um, to just lift it up in prayer. It's a great ministry. We're glad as a church we get to support it. And so um, they obviously need prayer. So let's stand. We'll have a time of prayer. We'll be dismissed with a great commission. Um, I do want to remind you, if you're able to come tonight to hear, uh, you know, you probably don't want to come to the business meeting. That may not be much fun, but I want you to hear from Sid and from Isaac. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful uh, for the day and for your word and for its truth. We thank you for the power of our risen Savior uh, to remove sin. We thank you that he is resurrected. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father on high. He sent the Spirit to those in his church, and he's making them into his likeness. We thank you, Lord, for each person that's listed on this prayer list. We pray uh, for Addie. Continue to lift her up to you, Father, and pray that you would heal her body. We also pray for Ben, for Bruce Serapaka, as they um, continue to recover from the things that they've been dealing with. We pray for our dear brother, Charlie, that you would heal his body, restore him to his health. Uh, we pray for Lexi as she is in labor. We also, uh, Lord... Just lift up the Hope Factory. We're grateful for all that you're doing there and for all the excitement that that brings to us, knowing uh, that you have been so faithful in this ministry to do exceedingly and abundantly all more than we can ask or imagine. So we pray that you continue to bless. And Lord, open our hearts to how we can continue to partner with the Hope Factory. Lord, we pray uh, for James and for others in our church who may sense a call to ministry, who may want, who are aspiring to that noble task of being an elder, an overseer, a pastor, that you would uh, confirm to them that uh, calling that they have, that you would equip them, that you help them to grow in the midst of it. And Father, we love you, we praise you. All of this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's say the Great Commission together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Y'all have a great